Welcome to the episode 2 of my Babaji series podcast. So how do we know that our encounter, astral or dream or spiritual experience with a great master, especially a master of Babaji's stature, was not a figment of our imagination? Monji gives a clear answer to this. If this experience was deeply transformative and there was in some way a subtle confirmation of that experience, either through other people or through some other situation, in whichever way, then we know it indeed was real, aside from the fact that it was very vivid and real and felt very deeply. So in today's... uh, reading, I will cover Babaji Beyond Definitions Part 2, a beautiful blog in which, uh, first part of the blog in which Manji speaks about a wonderful man that I also was blessed to meet. Uh, he gave him the name of Richard uh, to respect the anonymity. Um, and we'll see how Richard, a uh, typical Western guy at that time, was transformed by Babaji. Babaji Beyond Definitions, Part 2, blog by Mohanji, posted in July 2010. I surrender all my thoughts and words associated with this blog at Babaji's feet. Mohan, writing about an avatar like Babaji, is the same like a drop of water conveying something about the ocean. All I'm trying to do is to humbly attempt to describe my experiences with Babaji. If at all this creates an effect in you, the credit goes to Babaji. This is a continuation from the previous blog with the same title. My next experience with Babaji requires a brief intro. More or less throughout 2005, I was unemployed, experiencing deep financial crisis. However, this was the time when my spiritual life was really blossoming. After a tough tenure in Iraq in 2004, despite insurgency and death threats, I had returned back to the relative quiet uh, quiet of home in India, without a job and without anything specific to do, apart from the charity activities. I had decided that whatever crisis happen, I will never use even a single dime from the charity funds for my personal purpose. I stuck to that decision against all odds. At that time, I was associated with one spiritual guru and his ashram. I refrained from using his name to avoid inconveniences. 
he was more like a spiritual brother to me. He was also involved in many charity activities, and that was my main interest. Apart from that, there was no knowledge or power transfer of any kind between us. I was also involved in simple administration matters of the ashram in an ephemeral way, free of costs, and was occasionally traveling with this guru when he was moving around. I met many people who came to visit him and had made many acquaintances during those times. Most of those connections vanished as fast as they appeared. On one such occasion, I met an American man called Richard and his friend Kathy. Names are changed to maintain anonymity. From UK, they had come to meet this guru. Richard was a big, sporty, muscular man, while Kathy was shy and quiet. I met them several times during their stay there and interacted with them briefly whenever we met. Kathy stayed there only for a week, while Richard stayed on for two weeks. On the day when Kathy was leaving, after taking the blessings from the Guru, she and Richard came to the room where I was sitting. Kathy told, uh, came to me and said, I do not know why, but I feel that this trip would be incomplete if I did not take your blessings too before I go. Richard was also with her. She was standing. I stood up and put my palm on her head. Even though nowadays, during Shaktipat and our meditation sessions, many people had experience, experiences of this kind, please know that this incident with Kathy happened way back when I was far from conducting any classes or sessions and was a complete anonymous, a non-entity per se. At that moment, a very strong energy started flowing from my hand. She started shivering and fell into a trance. I helped her to sit down and she thus remained in deep trance for some time. Richard was watching this. There was nobody else in the room. With Kathy next to us in deep trance, Richard asked me, May I hold your hand? And I said, Sure. We both sat down and he took my hand and kissed it. Vividly moved, he suddenly exclaimed, It was Jesus. It was Jesus, I bet. He was blessing Kathy. Such a powerful energy. So much love. He thanked me and held my hand for about 30 minutes until Kathy came out of her trance. She had tears in her eyes. She hugged me and said, I would have missed this if I did not ask you. I always trust my inner guidance. Whenever I saw you here, I always felt that you are a silent mystery. You are not what you seem to be. Your inner depth is visible in your eyes. Now I realize who you are. I am grateful. 
I laughed and said, Kathy, I'm an empty pot. I depend on what fills into me. Mohan does not exist at all. It is as simple as that. Richard got up and hugged me. Both Kathy and Richard had tears in their eyes. I never met Kathy again till date. However, from then onwards, I became very close to Richard, who returned to the ashram after dropping Kathy to the airport. Our friendship continued with many unexpected blessings from the masters. The Babaji Connection, Richard's Story Richard was born in USA. He had a troublesome childhood and turbulent youth. He grew up as a rebel, fighting against one thing or the other. All his relationships were chaotic. He had series of fights, problems and police cases. Thus, while leading an aimless and reckless life, one day he walked into a big bookstore to pick up a greeting card for his girlfriend. As soon as he entered, he saw a shelf full of new arrivals, one particular book with a picture of a bare-chested boyish man sitting cross-legged, instantly caught his attention. And next to the book stood the man who was depicted on the cover, in the same costume, half-naked. He was surprised. He had never seen such a costume ever in his life. And he thought it could be some kind of a book signing ceremony and this person could be marketing his own book, maybe? Richard was not interested in any books. So he went to the area of the shop where greeting cards were displayed. He picked up the card of his choice and while walking back to the payment counter, he saw the man again, still standing next to the book. Surprisingly, he found that nobody else was noticing him or bothering him, even out of curiosity. This was quite strange in such a crowded shop. When Richard looked at him, he smiled and beckoned him to come near. Unconsciously, Richard just moved towards the man. Then he called Richard by name. Richard was shocked. How does this half-naked man know me? He looked up to read the title of the book. It said, Babaji. That meant absolutely nothing to Richard. The half-naked man started talking. How are you, Richard? In that moment, Richard realized that he could not speak. His tongue was not moving. The man smiled and continued to talk. He simply narrated all the important events of Richard's life as if the book of his life was open before him. Richard was literally spellbound. Then he said, We will meet again. 
I will tell you many more things which you need to know and the world needs to know. Soon after he uttered that, Richard could not find him anywhere. He had disappeared. Richard became dizzy with amazement. He could not understand what just happened to him. Fearing that listeners will ridicule him, he did not tell about this event to single soul. He kept it a closely guarded secret. We must remember that Richard had never been religious, spiritual or spiritually inclined. He never had friends of that nature too. Days went by. Richard started getting many messages from this man telepathically. And many a times he would suddenly see the man standing next to him. Even if he was inside his house, the doors locked. All Richard knew was that this man is called Babaji and that he is very special. Some messages were prophetic. They were about the events that sooner or later actually did happen or would happen in his life or around him. Thus, day by day, Richard's connection with this mystery man increased. His life also changed rapidly. He became sober, cool, collected. He even started meditating. He obeyed the new advisor, word by word. And whenever he disobeyed, he always ended up in serious trouble. One such incident was, Richard had bought a new car and had promised his girlfriend that he would take her to the beach that day in his new car. Babaji told him, do not drive today, stay at home. He decided to ignore Babaji's suggestion and went ahead with his appointment. As soon as he hit the road, he met with an accident. Even though he was unhurt, his beautiful new car was badly damaged. On another occasion, Babaji told him not to meet his girlfriend on a particular morning. He ignored that and met her. They ended up in a major argument over a silly matter, and out of fury, his girlfriend smashed the windows of his new car. Once again, he was reminded of the importance of obeying Babaji's commands. And one day, Babaji told Richard to go uh, to a particular desert area and meditate there the whole night. There was no resistance from Richard this time because by then he had learned his lessons well. While meditating, he was suddenly abducted into an alien spaceship and had a strange communion with highly evolved aliens. This happened two times more. And every time it happened, Richard, Richard found that something was shifting within him for the better. His subtlety levels increased manifold. He became so much more subtle.
Soon enough, he started giving lectures and taking classes about life, spirituality, and healthy living. His audience increased day by day. This surprised him, as he had no previous background or education to handle the subject matter. And yet, everything seemed so effortless. Naturally, ego started bloating. He started feeling better off than others who are existing in the normal emotional plane of existence, suffering from the regular guilts, anxieties, and fears. Every time he took a class or gave a lecture, he saw that Babaji was always present and watching, without interfering. It was as if Babaji was like a supervisor, making sure that his disciple is doing everything well. Richard knew very well that Babaji was transferring knowledge through him into the world. He felt proud because he was the chosen one out of millions. Steadily but surely, Richard's ego grew more and more along with his popularity. One day, everything was set for a live TV show with live audience. When the show began and Richard was shining on the stage, he suddenly realized that his mentor was missing. All those days, only Richard could see him, nobody else could. But now, all of a sudden, he was not to be found anywhere. So there he was, standing on the stage with an empty mind. He felt as if his soul had left his body. He was an empty shell that had nothing to give. He did not know what to say and what to do. The TV show had to be called off, and this brought money loss and disgrace to Richard. His new preaching career was shattered beyond repair, and his ego was completely deflated. When everybody left, Babaji appeared, as if nothing ever happened. Richard understood the harsh lesson, fell at the feet of Babaji and cried. Babaji said, Ego is the barrier between man and God. Ownerships mean alienation from the eternal truth. The fatter you become with ego, the more difficult will it be for you to enter my world. Ego should not be allowed to grow in weight and size. Service should always be selfless without ownership. Purpose should be pure without expectations. Grace disappears when ego appears. Richard learned this truth the hard way. After that incident, Babaji asked him to pack his bag and move to India. He did so, and that's where we met. I had the privilege of meeting the man whom 
Manji named as Richard in this blog. Uh, he's a very interesting personality, um, very uh, unusual in many ways. And his behavior is uh, completely spontaneous. He's very blunt. Um, and overall, uh, you, could, you can see that he's uh, very sensitive to energy. That's very obvious. Um, I met him uh, one time when Monji and I visited Puttaparthi, the abode of Satya Sai Baba. And at that time, uh, this man, Richard, we'll call him, <laughs> was living there. Um, I had an interesting conversation with Richard uh, because I was intrigued by the part of his experience related to the abduction into the alien spaceship. So I was immediately interested to hear more about it and I asked him if he can share a bit more about this experience with me uh, but he refused to do that he said um, he has learned through life by now that this is not to be shared he says it's very intimate it was definitely a very beautiful and elevating experience uh, because uh, the so-called aliens who abducted him were actually uh, Pleiadians, and uh, they are very uh, evolved beings, um, great scientists as well, and uh, spiritually much more involved than human beings. Um, but he just doesn't like to talk about it um, in detail, because so far he didn't have a good experience after, uh, he didn't have the right understanding of people after sharing it. So he decided not to share it at all. Uh, but then he smiled and he referred me to a book that I could read uh, because this book does convey a lot about the Pleiadians and other civilizations correctly. That's what he's, as per his experience. So that was enough of a cue that was given to me and I was happy to hear that. So he said um, this book was actually uh, blessed by Satya Sai Baba and the Australian lady who wrote it. Uh, she wrote it only after obtaining the blessing from Satya Sai Baba. So in a way, uh, it's validated, you could say, by Baba. So I was even more interested to, to read this book. Uh, he said it's available in the uh, Puttaparthi library. Uh, so after meeting him, I went to the library, and uh, a very sweet old man with, uh, with shining eyes was working there, and I asked him about this book, Alcharinga. And he said, mm, Alcharinga, I think we do have uh, this book, but I have to see whether any copies are left. We used to have more, but it's pretty much sold out. So I was really praying to Baba, I really really need to read this. I just am so eager to read it. And um, after a minute or so, the old man comes out with a smiling face and he said, there is one copy left for you. <laughs> so I was so happy and grateful and happily, you know, went off to start reading the book. And um, it's not a very big book, so I read it within next couple of hours. And it was very, very interesting. Um, and I feel that uh, definitely at the present time, uh, people should read books like this because we need to realize that our history books are not correct, especially about 
the part about evolution of human race, about our true history on this planet. And I believe that time has come for us as a human race to officially, through mainstream media, um, history books, educational system, uh, start recognizing the importance that the higher civilizations have played and continue to play in our history and our present time. Uh, so in the book Alcheringa, um, the writer talks about the highly evolved aliens like Pleiadians, Arcturians, uh, Sirius, and so forth, Syrians. But um, she also mentions the uh, manipulative ones like the reptilians and draconians uh, who definitely caused a lot of problem and havoc and continue to do so on our planet. Uh, so this is quite an interesting uh, dimension. And uh, um, I have to say that for me, uh, most interesting were the trips to Sedona in Arizona, where uh, one location on our planet where there's a lot of alien activity because the vertexes of Sedona are very um, convenient for aliens to come and go because the vibration is very high. Now, the vertexes there are the sacred sites of the uh, Native Americans. Uh, they have always been recognized as very special places uh, with very special energy, uh, higher frequency energy. And um, as I said, this is the place where uh, people have witnessed the spaceships quite a lot. So when you go to Sedona, it's a common thing to talk about aliens. It's a very normal uh, Thing. I mean, they are not at all discussing whether it's possible or not. Whomever you talk about will pretty much say, yeah, yeah, we are, we are aware of it. And they would say about different shapes. They have seen the typical saucer ones, then cylinder shaped, then uh, triangular shaped. <laughs> and um, how they quietly come and there's no sound. Um, and uh, higher technology that they have is just amazing. Um, some of them have spoken to me about some underground tunnels where they can hear sounds. There's some apparently some underground place very near to Sedona where there is a research being done, and it's like unofficial uh, secret <laughs> um, known to people there. Uh, so they said this is the greys. Uh, greys are neither good nor bad, they're simply doing some research and they have apparently been granted a permission by American government. So uh, there are some abductions happening. Uh, we have met one lady who said she was abducted quite many times and that she doesn't uh, remember, uh, let's say, four hours of a day where they have gone. Uh, so she told me, um, she would go to her weekend house of her sister and she would wake up in the morning, do have breakfast, go around and then sit to read something. And then later on, it's like almost evening time and she has absolutely no re recollection uh, where she was and what she was doing. And then her sister would come and say, where were you? I was looking for you. And she's like, well, I was here in the room. And she said, no, you weren't. I was looking for you. You were not here. So this is like a direct proof that she was gone. And she said she would sometimes have a small 
marking on her body, just like when you have a small, very tiny uh, surgery, uh, small imprint in the body, so she knows that there was something being done, but completely erased memory of the experience. Uh, so that's how the grays operate. So that's much different than what Richard experienced, right? Uh, even though the word abduction was used, uh, I wouldn't say that what Richard experienced was an abduction per se uh, for somebody's research to be done. No, he he was blessed to to go onto the spaceships of the Pleiadians. So it's a different ballgame. Uh, but this is definitely real and definitely happens. And um, I feel that, as I said, time has come for this to be revealed. Um, and um, I've had some of my own experiences. And I totally understand Richard. Uh, it's uh, One feels really shy to talk about it because we, we can feel that most people... Uh, using the rational mind will say, okay, now you've gone too far, you are cuckoo, and I'm not going to listen to this. So we, we don't feel very comfortable to talk about this. Uh, but uh, I have decided to write about this in my autobiography, which is actually now being written, and I will add the subject to it. Uh, but for the purpose of this podcast, uh, I would stop at this point and uh, say that uh, with regards to Richard, I have learned uh, some insights uh, from him which were very, very valuable. And overall, uh, it was a very pleasant memory of meeting Richard. And this blog took me back to that time. Um, uh, he's really uh, beautifully connected with Babaji. And the fact that in this life he was totally not into spirituality, he did not do any intense practice to to earn the grace of meeting Babaji that shows that you meet Babaji only uh, when he decides uh, to meet you and it's mainly based on our uh, punya, what is called punya in India, the accumulated grace, uh, <laughs> the spiritual bank balance that we carry from past lives. Uh, otherwise it's really um, difficult to meet Babaji just by uh, thinking that if we look at his picture, it's going to happen. Um, but then maybe somebody who feels the pull to look at Babaji's picture, chant his mantra and uh, you know, pray to meet him, uh, if that person is eligible and even gets that thought because he's already eligible or she's already eligible, uh, then it will happen. So uh, this is simply an encouragement to uh, understand that when there is an intervention from a highly evolved being, be it a spiritual master like Babaji or Sai Baba or other masters, or uh, being from higher civilization, that this kind of uh, interaction uh, is something that completely transforms somebody's life and uh, kind of places uh, that person on, onto a different track altogether just like when you have a slow track on the highway and a super fast track there's a big difference between the two uh, so it's definitely a, a big blessing right now on our planet we can see one proof of the um, involvement of higher civilizations which is the crop circles you're probably familiar with it uh, if not you can google crop circles 
Some of them are so stunningly beautiful with um, multi-dimensional shapes, to even the flower of life or some astrological positions. And it's really, really touching to see them. And of course, some people try to mock this and say, oh, human beings made it. And they try to make some simple shapes <laughs> from in whichever way, but that's ridiculous. It's, it's totally uh, in a, uh, impossible to recreate some of those shapes. And they're really grand, just like the pyramids are grand. And so much more of these mysteries on our planet. Uh, as I said, time has come now to start revealing all these big secrets. The great time of uh, awakening on our planet has come. Shakti, Shakti, Shakti.